Well, howdy, Hootathunkers. This is the host of the Hootathunkin podcast, Zeb, as always. This is Season 2, Episode 32 of the Hootathunkin podcast, and the title is Japan Cow. Maybe should have made it Japanese cow, but this is what I wrote, and this is what I'm sticking to. <laughs> Let's start out with a recommendation segment. I'll be doing this week's recommendation segment on the television sh- series Wilfred. Now, Wilfred started out as a dark comedy short uh, film from Australia back in 2002, but later in 2011, uh, there would be an adapted. It would be adapted as a television series starring Jason Gant, who also played the original Wilfred, and Elijah Wood, which you might also know as Mr. Frodo from Lord of the Rings. The show came out when I was in high school. The premise is severely is a severely depressed lawyer named Ryan, played by Elijah Wood. He goes through an existential crisis. At that very moment, his doorbell rings. Ryan opens his door to see a six-foot-tall Australian guy in a cheap dog costume named Wilfred, played by Jason Gant, and standing on his doorstep. Ryan soon finds out that everyone else sees Wilfred as an actual dog. Ryan is the only one who sees Wilfred as a dude and can understand him, like, speak English. Yeah, Wilfred speaks English with an Australian accent, and he even drinks beer and does recreational drugs with Ryan. (laughs) The show is still dark comedy like its short film predecessor, but the show adds a psychological element to it. You find out more about Ryan and his tragic life. You will laugh hysterically as you watch the show, but you will also find out more about the human condition along the way. When Wilfred aired in 2011, I was in high school, and I only appreciated it for its comedic value, which is pretty good. Uh, but when I came back to the show when I was, while I was studying for my master's, I realized how deep the show really is and how much thought and, and what good writing went into the show. Wilfred is one of my favorite shows of all time. It helped me understand myself a little bit during a time in my life when that seemed really hard to do. So I strongly suggest you give it a go. It is currently on Hulu. Uh, just please keep in mind that the show Wilfred is only meant for adults, not for children. So, now for the main event. And, uh, like I said, this episode is called Japan Cow, and you'll see why in a minute. Meat tastes amazing. It isn't always the healthiest choice. There are other ways to get a good source of protein and fat that are more healthy. But, you know, meat tastes pretty fantastic and morally speaking meat is probably the worst common food in existence it requires the death of a living breathing animal however biting into a quality hunk of meat is one of the most satisfying experiences one can have because it's so tasty now when it comes to economics meat doesn't fare much better than the other categories i just mentioned the world is experiencing its worst water crisis in recent history with shortages affecting more than three billion people around the world The amount of fresh water available for people or for each person has plunged by a fifth over the last two decades. And most meats are at the top of the list of how much water is necessary to create. For example, it takes approximately 1,847 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. That's enough water to fill 39 bathtubs all the way to the top. And that's just one pound, not a cow, just one pound of meat. With all that in mind, please note that the taste of of meat is phenomenal. <laughs> so what's the point I'm trying to make here? No, don't worry. This isn't an episode about how you shouldn't eat meat and we should all be vegetarians. No, I love meat. I just wanted to present the the many arguments against meat production and consumption before I do an entire episode on a meat product because they are, uh, they are there. Uh, they do make great points. Those, those arguments against it. And perhaps our world would be better if we all became vegetarians. Then again, 
meat tastes pretty great. And this episode is about perhaps the greatest tasting meat to have ever existed, Wagyu beef. Now the term Wagyu is from Japan and it translates, directly translates to Japanese cow or Japan cow, as I named the episode. <laughs> Check it out on the blog. It ha I have the actual Japanese symbol um, symbols to make Wagyu. Now, Wagyu isn't a specific cut of beef, nor is it a certain way to prepare the beef. Wagyu refers to the breeds of cows that are from the island nation of Japan. So Wagyu just means cows from Japan. The roots of, the roots of Wagyu superiority can be traced to the late 1800s. During the 1880s, several breeds of European cattle were introduced to Japan and crossbred with native Japanese breeds. The four strains of cattle that resulted dominate the Japanese beef trade to this day. When Japan opened up to international markets for beef production in 1991, their local farmers began to worry. While places like America, Argentina, and Australia have tons of open pastures to grow huge quantities of beef, Japan has little land. What land Japan does have is mostly like big rocks and mountains and, and or cities, cement. So the Japanese agriculture industry decided they wouldn't try to compete with international markets with quantity. No, they decided they would compete with quality. Instead of marketing their beef the same way as other markets, Japan markets their beef as a luxury good, only to be eaten in small quantities. So when we think of beef here in the States, we think of a big juicy steak dinner or like a big burger. Um, and that's like the central component of the dish. That's the hero of the dish. But in Japan, they eat their beef in small bits. The beef complements Japanese dishes instead of being the largest and most important portion on the plate. So it's like a side dish almost. You know, we eat like steak and potatoes. They would eat like a big bowl of rice as their main component. And then the side dish would be the beef. It's hard for me, to, hard for most Americans to wrap their head around, but that's how they do it. And they do it because their beef is really good. Now, when Japan did finally open up their beef industry to international markets, the world was shocked. The result of European cows from the 1880s carefully being bred with native breeds were cows that yielded meat with ridiculously high fat marbling. What is marbling? Uh, most of you probably know, but if you don't, marbling is the white flecks of intramuscular fat and meat, most notably red meat. The fat in lean muscle creates a marble pattern, hence the name, you know, it's marble. So Wagyu or Japanese cows were bred to have intramuscular fat on levels that have never been seen before outside of Japan. I mean, the meat from Japanese cows almost looks like bacon. It's, it's, but like a different kind of, like a marbled bacon. It's ridiculous. Although they did open up to international beef markets in 1991, Japan still enforces strict regulation on the production of its beef. This is what this is what kept uh, Wagyu beefs at such high level of demand, and it's like a luxury good because of their regulations, and that's why it's still such good quality. Now there are four different breeds of Japanese cow or Wagyu. Only the now let's go through them right now. Um, there's the now. During this episode, you're going to hear a lot of Japanese pronunciation on my half, and it's probably half. It's not going to be very good, but we're going to give it a try. There's the Kuroge, or the Japanese black. There's the Akage, the Japanese brown. The Niho Tankaku, which is the Japanese shorthorn. And the Mukaku, which is the Japanese pulled. 
uh, only the Kurago or Kuroge and the Akage, uh, Japanese black and Japanese brown breeds, can be found outside of Japan. The Nihon Tokaku and the Mukaku breeds, Japanese Shorthorn and Japanese Pulled, are forbidden to be bred outside of the Japanese. Japanese borders. So the most popular breed of Wagyu is the Kuroge breed, also known as the Japanese Black. These entirely black cattle are the most popular breed of Wagyu. They are raised throughout Japan. Although there are four different kinds of Wagyu breeds, when someone is talking about Wagyu, they are most always talking about the Japanese Black breed, as they make up 90% of Jap- Japan's cattle. So from here on out for the rest of the episode, when I talk about Wagyu, I'm talking about Japanese Black because it's 90% of them. Japanese black have the strongest genetic predisposition to, to the quality Wagyu is renowned for. Intense marbling. Within the Japanese black strain, there are, uh, there are different bloodlines, actually. So each with their own specific traits. The three primary Japanese black bloodlines include the Tajima, also referred to as Tajiri. Tajima uh, are the marbling Wagyu. Even within the Japanese black breed, this specific bloodline is the one known best to produce the highest percentage and best quality marbling. They are generally smaller, framed, have slower growth rates, and expected to yield superior meat. Tajima originally hailed from the Hyogu prefecture in Japan and are responsible for the best beef in the world. So you have the Japanese black, and in that bloodline, in one of those bloodlines, the Tajima, that is the best beef in the world, period. All beef that is eligible to be certified as Kobe is pure Tajima bred, raised, and slaughtered in the Hyogo Prefecture. Historically and today, Tajima are highly regarded for full-blood breeding in Japan and abroad. So we'll, when I said what's certified as Kobe, we'll get to Kobe in a moment. Um, you probably heard of, If you've heard of Wagyu, you probably heard of Kobe beef, and we'll get to what makes that up. Um, now, the next bloodline Japanese black is Shimane, uh, also referred to as Fujiyoshi, Fu, Fu, Fujiyoshi, originated originating from the Shimane Prefecture of Japan. These cattle are known for their large frames, medium growth, and very strong maternal capabilities, and an average meat quality. Their offspring tend to exhibit a large body size. However, their marbling is generally less refined than the Tajima bloodline. Then there's the Kadaka, um, also referred to as Totori. The Kadaka line originates from the Totori prefecture of Japan and similar to Shimane are known for their larger frames but with a higher meat quality. They also tend to have a good growth rate and high levels of fertility. Now these Japanese black bloodlines can be crossbred to impart diversity into herds. For example, breeding Tajima or high Tajima bulls with Kadaka or Shimane cows has the potential to produce offspring that have uh, the dense, delicate marbling of a Tajima with a large size, faster growth rates, and stronger maternal instincts of a Kadaka or Shimane. In fact, Kadaka are often considered to play a critical role in Japanese full-blood Wagyu production. So, it may seem strange to most people that this is... This much attention is paid to tracking breeds, bloodlines, and every attribute of each. Uh, These farmers are meticulous about tracking all this, but keeping track of breed and bloodline activities and attributes is important to Wagyu farmers as it is with most domestic animal industries. For example, the bloodline of like racehorses is also carefully analyzed, if not more, um, and it's well analyzed and documented. So it's pretty common for farmers to keep a good track of, you know, what bloodline is breeding with what bloodline and what product is coming out of it because that's money. That's their money. Wagyu cows are raised by specialty breeders until they are between 
7 and 10 months old when they are sold to a farmer along with a birth certificate certifying their pure bloodline. These animals cost farmers as much as 30,000 US dollars each, <laughs> which is much as 10 times more than the typical American Angus. After auction, the cows are taken to feeding farms uh, where they're given names. Wagyu farmers take pride in providing a humane life for their cows, and they are given plenty of room in their pens. They often share a pen with only four or five other cows, whereas mass production tend to uh, keep dozens of cows in a single pen. Only pregnant cows and breeding cattle are allowed to graze in the pasture. Um, the cattle designated for slaughter are kept in pens because they don't want them eating grass or whatever's out in the, the field. They want them eating these very high-nutrient stuff so that their meat's better. During this period, the cows mature for two or three years or until they reach 1,500 pounds or gain 50% fat. So they're 50% fat. The way Wagyu are fed and cared for is important to ensuring that they reach this milestone. Wagyu are never given growth prom or promotants, steroids, hormones, or drugs to help them gain weight faster. The process is natural, which means it takes more time than it does in the typical methods used in the U.S. Most Wagyu farmers provide their cows with three meals a day made up of high-energy uh, ingredients, including hay, grain, and wheat. Often, this feed is imported uh, from other countries, which is why it's so pricey for having Wagyu meat and Wagyu meat cultivation. They are generally weighed once a month and are expected to gain around 2.5 pounds a day. Two and a half pounds a day. Now, I said that they give them high energy food. Yeah, well, there's this one specific kind that just came out not too long ago. There's a special kind of Wagyu steak called Olive Wagyu. It's very rare. It is a brand of Wagyu that comes from cattle raised on a small Japanese island called Shodoshima. That is famous for its olive oil industry. In 2006, cattle farmer Masaki Ishii uh, wanted to find a way to use the byproduct of olive oil production as feed for his cows. He went to olive oil mark makers and took the olive peels, so the leftover stuff already. He toasted them so they became sweeter and mixed it with rice and straw, barley, grains, and the cows loved it. They ate it up. He shared the recipe with other farmers in the area and they all bought in and started doing it. Because of the cow's diet, olive wagyu is highly marbled with fat that's light yellow color and produces a flavor profile so unique that the meat beat out 182 others from the best fat quality um, category in the 2017 Wagyu Olympics, a six-day contest that takes place every five years. Beef produces um, producers from all over japan enter their finest cut so yeah that's how serious japan is about their beef production they have olympics every five years <laughs> beef olympics <laughs> i want to go to that competition so bad <laughs> just just chilling like oh yeah it looks really good <laughs> now contrary to popular belief wagyu cattle are not routinely massaged or serenaded with classical music at least not every day however farmers do take great care to ensure that their muscles do not uh, become tense. They This generally means simply avoiding rigorous activity and stress, but may also involve using a stiff brush to increase blood circulation and work out tension. So they're brushing their cows. How nice. It's important for Wagyu to remain in a stress-free environment because stress increases adrenaline and contributes to tense muscles and tough meat. Um, I know that whenever you're hunt, if you're a hunter, if you're a hunter and you you get a deer or anything like that, you shoot one, you don't want to chase it down and make it more stressed out. You want it to die peacefully, you know? One, it's more humane, and B, the 
The meat tastes a lot better. The length of time it takes to fatten cows and the price of importing their feed is what contributes to the high cost of Wagyu beef. After reading all about the breeding and how cows are processed and how much money they are worth, uh, my next question was, what cut do people usually buy? I mean, it's a whole cow. Do they eat every part of it? I mean, obviously they do, but what's the one that makes it the most expensive? So according to LiveJapan.com, the most sought after is sirloin meat. Um, there's a bunch of... <laughs> There's a bunch of Japanese symbols here that mean sirloin meat, I guess. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Check it out on the blog. Generally used to make Wagyu steak or uh, sukuyaki, the meat around the loin boasts a fine marbling and thus makes for the best cuts uh, to savor the characteristic taste of Japanese Wagyu beef. For people who don't stare at butcher posters all day, the sirloin, where that's at on the cow, it's on the cow's back. And it's uh, towards the rear end of the cow, but not quite its butt, um, which a cow's butt is... Con- called the round because who's gonna buy cow butt you're gonna buy cow round but anyway so if you're let's say you put a cattle on or a saddle on a cow it'd be towards the back of your saddle where it would sit that's the sirloin that's the really good cut of meat on the blog i have some really good beef grading scales and all the u.s cuts of meat don't even come close like they're in a separate category from japanese cuts that are way higher quality it's insane like the marbling and you know, the best quality of Wagyu is A5. Um, A meaning A meaning the quality of meat, and then five meaning the level of marbling of fat in the meat. And it's almost like bacon. That's how much, but it's not the taste of pork, it's a taste of beef. It's like beef bacon. It's it's crazy how much fat is in this. I also put a big, huge um, image on the blog of what each cut of a, of a cow is, how expensive it is, what it's used for, where it's popular, stuff like that. So check it out if you're interested. Now, if you have heard of Wagyu, chances are you have heard of Kobe beef. Now here's the difference. Kobe in short is a variety of Wagyu. So it's sort of like, uh, all squares are quadrilaterals and not all quadrilaterals are squares. <laughs> so Wagyu refers to any cattle that is bred in Japan or the Japanese style. Kobe is beef that is comprised of a very particular strain of Wagyu called Tajima Gyu. Now that is raised to strict standards in the prefecture of Hyogu. Um, so you have Wagyu, anything in Japan, beef is Wagyu. Kobe is like the best part of that of, of out of that category so kobe is the best stuff um and it's made in the the capital city of Hyogu prefecture is kobe thus the name because kobe beef exemplifies everything that makes wagyu better kobe beef is considered the most abundantly marbled in the world brimming with the creamiest most decadent most flavorful steaks of fat a steak can have period a major factor in the quality of Kobe steaks is the uncompromising regulations the region uses for its cattle. To be labeled Kobe, a cattle must meet the following seven standards upon slaughter. Uh, the steer has to be a steer or a virgin cow. Can't have a bull with still its... So the difference between a steer and a bull, right? They're both male cows. What's the difference? A steer doesn't have its testicles anymore. That's the difference. Without those testicles, there's less testosterone, and the meat tastes better. Always does. If they left the testicles on, the meat wouldn't be as good. So it has to be a steer or virgin cow. The Jima Gyu, so which means it has to be born and raised in Hyogu Prefecture, has to be fed in the Hyogu Prefecture. Meat processed within the Hyogu Prefecture. So it all has to happen in the same place. 
marbling rating or the BMS of six or higher on a 12 point scale, meat quality rating of four or higher on a five point scale, and an overall weight not exceeding 470 kilograms. That's 1,036 pounds. So that's a lot, a lot of regulations. Not many Kobe beef in the world. Because of these stri uh, stringent standards, only between 3,000 and 4,000 head of cattle qualify as authentic Kobe cattle each year. So if you've ever been the menu in this, seen a menu in the States advertising they have Sir Kobe or Wagyu even, uh, they're most likely lying. When it comes to Wagyu, the label may be more than a little misleading. In the mid-2010s, Tens, some of New York City's most famous steakhouses and restaurants were listing Kobe or Wagyu beef on their menus. An investigation by Inside Edition brought one problem to light. However, places like Old Homestead Steakhouse and Le uh, Bernardin weren't serving true Kobe Wagyu beef like what was listed on the menu. The restaurant brand McCormick and Schmicks was doing the same. And it had to settle a class action lawsuit because of it. They have a McCormick and Schmicks in downtown Pittsburgh. So I've seen the place. Pretty fancy. The problem comes down to labeling regulations set by the United States Department of Agriculture. The U.S. law states that beef only has to have 46.9% of Wagyu genetics to sell as Wagyu at retail. According to Bon Appetit and the rest, uh, and the rest can be Angus. So I want to buy Wagyu. I want Wagyu. I don't want less than half percent wagyu and the rest being american angus <laughs> no i don't want that restaurants don't have to listen to these labeling regulations at all and can call whatever beef they wish wagyu this may <laughs> this makes wading through wagyu beef labels like walking through the wild west of questionable information only certain restaurants are permitted to sell the imported kobe beef the real stuff so if you are out on the town and decide to fork over ridiculous prices of a Kobe beef dish, ask to see the from Japan sticker on the package. And you know, in my book, if you are paying those crazy prices, then it's not an appropriate request to be like, hey, can you show me the thing that says this is from Japan if you're gonna be paying like three hundred dollars for a dish? Just ask for it. They they better cough it up. Well the popularity of Wagyu has risen internationally, with Japan's exports rising by 200% in the past five years, and they've been selling billions of yen worth of Wagyu. It's crazy. Internationally, we're just eating this stuff up because it's a delicacy. The demand for Wagyu domestically in Japan has actually dropped, so that's all their market has been gearing, you know, pointed towards international markets now japan has where people domestically are like this stuff's too expensive just give me that american stuff it still tastes like beef you know and while wagyu beef kobe and olive wagyu are still insanely expensive and rare some places costing 300 uh, per pound that may soon change all those regulations japan forces on their beef industry didn't keep the wagyu genetics from leaving the island wagyu beef that has been genetically tested as 100 authentic wagyu is now being bred in places like the uk so they might not have as many regulations other countries such as the u.s australia and middle east country middle eastern countries are interbreeding wagyu with their own cattle creating a meat with similar quality not the same but similar so here's only hoping a much more affordable Wagyu dish might be available to everyone within the near future. And I would love to have a Wagyu or like a Kobe beef sandwich, not even a sandwich, just maybe a teensy bit of salt on it and just eat it rare. That's what I want. Um, but they said it's such high fat quality. You don't really need to eat it rare like you would regular steaks from the States. You could eat it well done and it would still taste amazing. 
which is hard for me to believe, but all the videos I've seen, I would try it. I definitely, I would want to try in each different um, cooking style, rare, you know, medium and well done, but I don't have the money to pay for that. <laughs> so maybe one day I could pay for that, but it'd be, it'd be very, very irresponsible. So anyway, thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Um, hope it didn't offend any vegetarians. If I did, get over it. People eat meat. It happens. Um, also, thanks for listening and tune in next week. Uh, don't know what my next week's episode is going to be on. I'd love to hear your um, your input, your suggestions. You can email me at whodothunkitpodcast at gmail.com or you can just comment on this here. You can comment on my social media whenever I post the podcast. So thanks for listening and tune in next week. Catch you later.